praise the Lord. We're getting there. We're ready. Amen. It's a, a joy to be here this morning and amongst you and seeing everyone and uh, just some of the testimonies and prayers of God's people this morning has been wonderful and it's great to be in fellowship. Praise the Lord. So, the Lord bless you. Now we're here and um, we all know what day it is. Last week was Christmas Day. And so I got to preach on Christmas Day and now it's New Year's Day and, um, uh, and so it is. And so again, as a pastor uh, and as a, someone who ministers God's word, you kind of think, oh, well, what can we say on such a day? Because there's always something that can be said. Um, and so it's the first day of the week, Lord's Day, it's the first day of the year. And, uh, and we're here in the house of God. And I believe that uh, I want to share something with us this morning from the word of the Lord, that's something that um, uh, was deposited in my heart some, some weeks back actually and so I've been anticipating this particular message and looking forward to sharing it with you uh, that we would be stirred and encouraged in our own hearts and lives as we embark on a new year because let's face it, I mean we don't believe in New Year's resolutions but it's a healthy thing to take stock, isn't it? And a year has come to an end and we're beginning a new year and so the wise thing to do in life is to, is to, to, to step back, consider, reflect and, uh, and just, you know, where am I heading, what am I doing? What, and in this case, you know, Lord, what do you want me to do? As we continue to pursue the will of God and align ourselves to the will of God. And so I want to uh, uh, speak to you this morning about a particular character or person in the Bible that we are no doubt familiar with and uh, he, his particular life, as many others in the scripture, but his particular life sets for us an example, um, a, a, in a sense a perfect model if you want to call it, of, of, um, uh, for us to follow, for us to emulate, for us to look at and say, you know what, that's what I want in my Christian walk. That's what I want in my relationship with God. And so because we're dealing with an individual who enjoys sweet fellowship with God, an individual whom the Bible says walked with God, an individual whom the Bible says Please God. And so you're narrowing it down now, aren't you? <laughs> and so, um, uh, and uh, it's found in the book of Genesis chapter 5 and you no doubt know who I'm talking about. Enoch. Yes, I'm talking about Enoch. And uh, him, walked, him walked worthy before the Lord. And so really when you consider the epitaph and summary of Enoch's life, it's twofold. The Bible says he walked with God and in another scripture, as we'll see, it says he pleased God. He walked with God and he pleased God. And when you consider uh, the result of that in Enoch's life, there's something for us to consider as we will see as we look at God's response to the fact that he walked with him and pleased him so much that God said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take this boy now. Amen. So let's read in the book of Genesis and uh, chapter 5. And I want us to 
be encouraged and stirred and challenged in our walk with the Lord this morning. So let's read Genesis chapter 5 verse 22 to 24. Um, well, actually verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. It's a unique scripture, isn't it? And one that you read and it, I just read it and it brings a smile to my face because it's exciting because it, to see uh, the dynamics of not just the fact that Enoch walked with God but how God responded to that relationship, if you want to call it, that he shared with Enoch is quite special, isn't it? And so it sets forth for us something that we can consider because uh, as we look at this, there's lots of lessons that we can learn and obviously, as we've already pointed out, Enoch walked with God and Enoch pleased God and they're the two characteristics that really we should be striving towards in our own relationship to God. But above all things this morning, one of the things that I want to exhort us to and, uh, and one of the things that I as personally consider as I stand here as well is that we would uh, all aspire to a closer relationship with God. Can you say Amen. Sam said it today and all the scripture that he's read and all the testimony that he shared that we may know him. Eternal life is knowing God. And it's, yes, and so it is the aspect of knowing and coming into knowledge of God but in light of all of that, uh, Christianity is a relationship with God. This is what makes Christianity so unique. It's what makes it so special that we can stand here and we can say, I have a relationship with God. And the world will look at you and think you're gone crazy. But to one who knows him, they know exactly what you're saying. Amen. Because we know him. If we said otherwise, we would be lying. We, and so this uniqueness of relationship, of, 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 of walking with God, of fellowshipping with God in the new covenant, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and we have uh, uh, so much, but above all things we have a relationship with the Lord. And it's this relationship that must be nurtured. It's this relationship that must be cultivated. It's this relationship that must be pursued. And that's what I want to exhort us to this morning as we consider some of these things because the truth is it's not just going to happen, is it? Let's be real. It's not going to just come somehow. These things are just going to fall in place and your relationship with God's going to get closer. I mean, God desires it. Amen. He saved us. Praise the Lord. He sent his son to, to restore that which was broken from the fall in terms of <coughs> fellowship with Adam and Eve. And so we are in Christ, we have, uh, we have been brought into relationship but now there's a process of which we are to build that and it's not just going to happen. We have to do our part. We have to seek the Lord. We have to draw near to God. We have to in, 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 ensure that we are in prayer, that we are reading our Bible. 
Not because we have to, but because we want to. Praise the Lord. Because what's more important? What could be more important in this life than your relationship with God? You learn it's not your relationship with your spouse, it's your relationship with God. You see, I think as I considered this and as I looked at the name Enoch, there's a few things that came to my mind out of this that um, teach us uh, something about how we are to walk with God and to ultimately please God because, it's, like I said, it's not an automatic thing. Uh, when you think about it, think about Enoch for a moment, when you read the few, those first few chapters of Genesis, you begin to realise that Enoch was, uh, was living in a time when there were many who were not calling on the name of the Lord. In actual fact, sin having entered the world and through Cain uh, killing Abel and through that seed there was, a, there was corruption already that was uh, permeating the earth so much so that only a few chapters later we have uh, the, the flood. But you see we have the, 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 the new man that was appointed uh, through Seth and the line and the Bible says men began to call upon the name of the Lord. And you read and then after, after a few generations here comes Enoch on the scene and there is, a, there is an emphasis on the fact that Enoch walked with God. But you see, just in light of that, there were many, many that were not. In actual fact, wickedness was beginning to, and was already prevailing upon the earth. And so Enoch, it wasn't even automatic for Enoch. But Enoch had made some choices. Enoch had made some decisions. And uh, the word Enoch in the Hebrew literally means uh, to be initiated, to initiate. And it comes from the root word in Hebrew, it means to, to, to narrow, to initiate, to discipline. And so when you think about that, we begin to realise that when we, talk, when we think about Enoch, there wasn't just somebody that just happened to walk with God, but we're dealing with somebody who was initiated into a relationship with God, who, who had determined in his heart that he was going to seek God and the scripture tells us he walked with God. And he ordered his conduct, he ordered his life in order to make sure that he was in close fellowship and relationship with God. He took the narrow path. He took the initiative. He made the disciplines set in his life that ensured that he was making the time for God, to spend quality time with God, to pray, to talk, to fellowship. Now think about this. Now where would Enoch have even come to grasp such a reality that was possible in light of the circumstances then? You see, the way I understand it, I could be wrong but I think I'm right, is, is that uh, Adam was still alive. Adam lived 900 something years. And so when you look at the lineage and Enoch, there may have been a period where uh, uh, Adam was still alive. And so you could, you could picture uh, Seth and the line of Seth in which he'd come from. These were men that had called upon the name of the Lord and so uh, Enoch would have been told about. He would have heard the stories of his grandfather Adam, great, great, great grandfather Adam. 
Maybe Adam shared them himself because Adam knew what it was to walk with God. Adam knew what it was to have sweet fellowship with God. Adam knew, having been created perfect and being in the Garden of Eden and having God come in the cool of the day and having uh, um, unhindered fellowship with God, he saw God in his glory and he fellowshiped and God would come down and they would talk and they would fellowship with one another and there was a relationship that was sweet and so special. And sin came into the world and God, uh, and that brought a severing of that relationship. Men was corrupted. God had to take them out of Egypt and the whole separation comes about. And no doubt uh, you, could, uh, you could hear the stories that Adam would have, have told, uh, that Adam would have shared, that Adam could have uh, uh, portrayed to those uh, that were with him and those that had come after him. And Enoch uh, would have heard this. Uh, he would have been well aware of these things and he said in his heart, I want to fellowship with God. I want to walk with God and he had and having been initiated into the the possibility of walking with God even in that day Enoch said that's what I'm going to do and he had determined to take that narrow path he had determined to initiate his life and to and to um to discipline himself to walk in this way and so when you look at Enoch in this context you begin to see what is required of us to to walk in the same manner Because uh, as we sit here this morning, I trust that it is your desire to walk with God. See, scholars also point out that there's a possibility of another root word uh, to the name Enoch and and it is interpreted as mouth. And I thought, that's interesting. Because whatever, uh, we, uh, to me, I don't, whether it's one or the other, it doesn't really bother me because uh, they both teach us valuable lessons. Because if it is mouth, well, Enoch not only walked with God, he talked with God. Amen? He talked with God. He shared sweet fellowship. He had relationship. And so this is what makes it so special when we consider these things. And the Bible says in our text that he walked with God. Now listen to verse um, 24. And Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. (laughs) Think about that. I mean God said, you know what, I'm enjoying the fellowship with this this man so much that I'm just going to take him now. And the Bible says that Enoch did not see death that God took him and, uh, and, and took him into his presence, uh, took him into heaven and, he, and he is, here he is. The Bible says uh, God took him and he wasn't there anymore. He just disappeared. This was God's response. You can see how pleased God was with Enoch. You could see how much God was longing for and was, was feeding off and, and was uh, uh, enjoying this sweet fellowship. And it teaches us something about our own relationship with God. Praise the Lord. In Hebrews chapter 11, we know this is the faith chapter of the Bible and the heroes of faith and in there we find Enoch himself. And the scripture tells us in verse 5 of Hebrews 11, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death 
and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So what a testimony that he pleased God. And really that should be the motivation of our lives. Can you say amen? To please God. Not to please a man, not to please mum and dad, not to please this person or that person, but our ultimate motivation has to be, I want to please God. And so here was his testimony. And really, again, what it teaches us is the issue of faith in relation to that relationship. You see, faith defined is really is our trust in God. You see, we've got to trust God with our lives. That's the whole issue. We've got to, uh, we want to, we're going to live for self or we're going to live for God. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to live for God? Are we going to walk with God? And the issue of faith is critical because that will determine the level of relationship that you have with God. Listen to the next verse in Hebrews 11, chapter 5. And if you go to verse 6, it tells us straight afterwards, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Impossible. There's nothing, without faith, there's nothing that we can do to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You see, Enoch is a perfect example of one who believed and one who had sought the Lord and had diligently sought him. And God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And Enoch's reward was he didn't even face death. God said, that's it, you're coming with me. Wow, isn't it awesome? It's a, I can't think of that. It's, it's just wonderful. And as we, before we do move on, Enoch typifies one other aspect that I just want to touch upon, and that is, as it relates to us as Christians, he typifies the rapture. Can you say amen? You see, because God's going to come back, and the Bible talks about the, the, the gathering together of the saints. The Bible talks about God coming to take his bride. And you see, he's coming back for his own. And I tell you that if those that he's going to come back for, those that will be translated, those that will be taken, like Enoch was taken, are those, amen, that are walking with their Lord and are pleasing to God. You see, that's why Jesus speaks to the churches in Revelations and he brings a severe rebuke to the Laodicean church. And without going into the details of that, but he does say at the conclusion, and you're familiar with it, when Jesus says, be zealous and repent, and he says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to his people that profess his name. And he says, uh, uh, I stand at the door and knock, and he says, if you open the door, I will come in and I will dine with you. Or in other words, if we will open that door, if we will say, Lord, come on in, if we will open ourselves and draw near to God, then Jesus says, I will come in, I'm knocking, but I'm not going to force my way in if you don't want me. You've got to take the initiative to open the door. You've got to invite me. You've got to want this as much as I want it because I want to have fellowship. I want to sit down and I want to dine with you. I want close communion. I want a relationship. That is the whole purpose of creation. There lies the motivation for God's creation 
and we see it right throughout the scriptures. It's relationship. But it can only be reciprocated by us wanting the same thing. Can you say amen? James reiterates this when he says in chapter 4 verse 8, he says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You see, we make the emphasis no one comes to God unless God draws them. And, and yes, God is an initiator in that sense, absolutely. But you see, there's, a, there's, a, there, there's other aspects associated with this relationship and the scripture says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And so if we take that initiative, then God will respond. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. There's God's initiative, but you've got to take the initiative and open it. And then you can enjoy what God has intended. Listen to the context of James chapter 4. I want to read from verse 7. Let me read the context of what I just read where it says, draw near to God in verse 8. It says, James says, therefore submit to God. Submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. You see, James is, 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 is calling them out of the world. He's telling the Christian that they are compromising, that they are compromising their relationship to God and rather than uh, 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 be filled with joy and laughter and think everything's okay, he says, you know what, the best thing for you to do is to become sorrowful because godly sorrow leads to repentance. The Bible says sorrow is better than laughter because out of sad countenance the heart's made better. Sometimes we need to be out of that because then we take stock of our lives and we say, Lord, uh, and we draw near to God. And then there's a restoration of that sweet fellowship. You see, walking with God this morning suggests, as the name Enoch tells us, that we need to walk on a narrow path. That's what the Bible speaks about. This is why James is so displeased with the the Christians that he's writing to because if you know the context, they have become friends with the world. And he says, don't you understand that being a friend of the world makes you an enemy of God? And so, and so here we have Christians who profess God, who say, I love God. Yes, I want relationship with God, but their life is so attached to the things of this world that they have no time for God, but they're fellowshipping with the world all the time. They're, they're more in tune with the things of this world than they are with God's word. And that can't be so. You can't enjoy sweet fellowship with God because you can't have your one foot in the world and one foot in the church. It doesn't work. It can't work that way. See, we've got to set our love and our affections on things above, the scripture says, not on things below. Turn with me to the book of Amos chapter 3. Amos chapter 3, I want to just highlight something here because what we're dealing with in this context is the children of Israel have, (coughs) well God's displeased ultimately with the children of Israel 
and uh, he's expressing his displeasure in some of the verses that we're about to read, but obviously through the prophet Amos and in the chapters thereof. But you see, Amos, uh, in Am- what we find is that the children of Israel, they think everything's okay. They're thinking, uh, you know what? God is good. Oh, blessed be his name. And they're just marching on and they're going about things. But you see, God looks at Israel and he's looking under the surface and he's not happy with the condition of their heart. He's not happy with where they're at in relationship to him. And so, this is not a good place to be in because we can think that we're, we're pleasing God but yet in reality we, we're not. And so this is the situation with Israel and so God speaks to uh, them in chapter 3 and in verse 1 to 3, if you can read it with me, God says, Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt saying, You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now verse 3, focus here. Can two walk together unless they are agreed? So God poses a question to them. Don't assume that you're walking with God. Don't assume that everything's all right when, when God says it's not. And, and more than that, uh, God's saying, can two walk together unless they are in agreement? And the answer is self-explanatory. The answer, it's a rhetorical question because the, the answer is absolutely not. God says, no, it cannot happen. I cannot be in agreement with you. I can't walk with you if you're going to walk in disobedience. I can't walk with you if you're going to disobey my word. I can't walk with you if you don't seek me, if you don't draw near to me, if you have no regard for me and you are living a life of sin and disobedience and then you want to come to church on Sunday and lift your hands and say praise the Lord and then walk out that door and expect that God is walking with you. It can't happen. Uh, we, uh, 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 the script can two walk together unless they are in agreement. If there is known sin that is unconfessed in our lives, uh, then that hinders our relationship to God, doesn't it? If there is a fellowship with the world, the Bible says that uh, he who loves the world has not the love of the Father in him. You know, so there's things that will strain our relationship. There are things that will interfere with our walk with the Lord. There are things that will sever our relationship with God in which uh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the God says, I can't walk with you and I won't walk with you in that. We have to be in agreement with God to be in fellowship with God. Let me reiterate this further. If you can turn to Second Corinthians chapter six, because here Paul's writing to the Corinthian church, and they're compromising. The Corinthians are not walking according to the manner in which they should, and so Paul begins to deal with them, and he's speaking in relation to aspects that relate to them, and he says in verse. 14 to make this emphasis of the need to walk with God means that you're going to have to separate from that which is unholy, from that which is an offence to God. 
So here's what he says. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You know, this is very important, church. Very, very important. Evil company will corrupt good habits. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You can't be. For, now, Paul reasons this. For what fellowship? There's that word. For what fellowship? What communion? Has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion with, has light with darkness? None. These are questions. The answers are obvious. And what, verse 15, and what accord has Christ with Belial, the devil? None. You can't mix the two. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? None. None. We've got to win them to Jesus. That's okay. I'm not telling you not. We're in the world, church. But you see, we're not to be unequally yoked with the world. We're not to be like the world. Like Pastor Werner said this morning, if you're, if you're like the world then you're not suffering tribulation, then there's something wrong. Because if you're going to live a Christian testimony and if you're going to preach Christ and you're going to stand for the Lord in this world, then I guarantee you're going to experience the rejection of this world. But if you think that the world's going to look at you and think how wonderful you are and hold hands with you and think that you can befriend the world and win them to Jesus, you're deceived. You can't. You can't mix the two together. This is what God is saying. And so how can we walk and be in sweet fellowship with God and yet be unequally yoked and be mixing the two? Listen to verse 16 of 2 Corinthians. Continuing, and what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will dwell in them. Here's the New Testament, New Covenant. I will be in them. I will walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Oh, thank God for that. This is God's heart. This is his desire. He wants to walk with us. Therefore, verse 17, therefore, Paul says, and he's quoting from uh, Old Testament, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters. See the intimacy that God's trying to communicate? He's trying to demonstrate and tell us the intimacy he desires with us. But to have that intimacy, to walk with God like Enoch walked with God, that we're going to have to take the narrow path. We're going to have to, amen, take the highway of holiness. We're going to have to walk in a way that says, I'm going to do what God says because I want to please God. I will be a father to you and you shall be my people. My sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And in verse 1 of chapter 7, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So you, I'm sure you can see it. You know, there are other things that can hinder our relationship with God that we must cultivate and keep our hearts because we're all vulnerable to it. Actually, we're all guilty of it in, in the journey of the Christian life. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Because we're talking about walking with God, we're talking about pleasing God. And in, in the book of Ephesians, in verse 30, we find an interesting portion of Scripture. 
in which we are told not to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You see, if our desire is to please God, then really, if we are grieving God, that should grieve us. True? So if we know that there is aspects of our life that is grieving to God, then we should grieve with him. And it says, the scripture says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now listen to verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath and anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You see, just reading that can be quite convicting. Can you say amen? Because in the journey of life, things happen and uh, we, uh, we can be affected by these things. That's why the Bible says, guard your heart, for out of it spring forth the issues of life. And that's why the Hebrews warns us that we are to be careful where a root of bitterness would spring up in which we will become defiled. You see, and so we've, if we're going to please God, then we've got to be free from bitterness. We've got to be free from wrath and anger and clamour because when these things do manifest, the Bible says we grieve God and we've all been guilty of grieving God. And so it's important that as we say, Lord, I, I do want to walk worthy. I do want to walk in a manner that's pleasing to you. Then it's a matter of taking assessment of these things and as God would convict us, as God would put his finger on areas of our lives, uh, that we would say, yes, Lord, and we would come to repentance and confession before God. And, what, and that always brings restoration, can you say amen, and forgiveness. And what's interesting, you know, we won't read it, but if you read in chapter 5, Paul talks about walking in love, walking in the light and walking in wisdom. And so here, in a sense, he's talking about walking with God. Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, just in light of these facts as we consider them this morning, let us heed the scriptures because it's the start of a new year. Maybe it's always a good time to consider these things because the Bible says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified, but I trust you will know that you are not disqualified. In other words, examine our hearts. Is there something there that's hindering our walk with God? Is there something there that's not pleasing to God? Because then the reality is all of us have to deal with those things. Listen to Paul's words further. I'm going to read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul writes and he says, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Paul's prayer for the, for the people of God is that they, verse 10, that they would walk worthy of the Lord and they would fully praise him and this is exactly the testimony of Enoch's life in that he walked with God and Hebrews tells us he pleased God and therefore God took him and so this is, if we're going to please God then we must cover those bases. We have to walk worthy. And to walk worthy, we have to be separate. We have to do the things that we've just touched upon and covered. 
fully pleasing him. And see, to do that, the scripture tells us in Colossians that we have to be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, don't be unwise, the Bible says, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And in, in understanding it, do it. And so Paul says that the, the, the way in which to walk worthy before God, the first thing to do is, uh, is understand the will of God. Okay, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What areas do I need to deal with? What decisions do I have to make? Because God's faithful, he'll tell you. And you know exactly what it is that needs to be done. And we all know, let's be honest, we know what God wants us to do if we're honest before God and we are, and we are heart is tender before the Lord and there are areas of our lives that are not right, we know what we need to deal with because God chose us, doesn't he? And so we need to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, spiritual understanding. Not the understanding that comes from human wisdom, not that which is related to human nonsense and human psychology and human reasoning, but spiritual understanding. You see, Amos says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And the answer is no, they can't. They have to be in agreement. And so this brings me to the point, is how do we come into agreement with God? So you say, okay, I want to walk with the Lord. I want to please God. How do I come into agreement with God? Well, you see, we're starting a new year and we don't, as Colm said, we don't, we don't practice New Year's resolutions, amen? We do not believe in that nonsense. The power is not within me. We believe in repentance. Repentance. And the way we come into agreement with God is through repentance and confession. The root word of confession literally means to agree with God. When we confess our sin, we're saying, God, I agree with you. I'm wrong. I agree, Lord. I'm coming into agreement with you, Lord. I'm confessing that I'm sinner. I'm confessing this sin. I'm confessing I have failed. I'm confessing this is wrong. And I'm repenting and I'm turning away from that. And I'm going to stop walking down that path. I'm going to stop walking in that way. And I'm now going to get on that narrow path and I'm going to walk with you. And God loves it, amen, when we come into agreement with him when we agree and say, yes, Lord, that is wrong, I confess and I turn. And then God, the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank God for that. Because we need to be cleansed time and time again. Can you say amen? How much... Uh, uh, well, thank God for the righteousness of Christ and thank God that we're being transformed into his image. But you know what, church, there's so much still there in us that we need. We get a glimpse of ourselves sometimes and it's like, that's ugly. And we need to practice confession and we need to confess our wrong and we need to confess to God and then doing so come into agreement with God and then that restores fellowship with God. Hallelujah. And that enables us to experience his love. That's why Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, he says, be zealous and repent. Or else I'll remove the lampstand, you know the warning that's there, and then behold, I stand at the door and knock, open the door, 
and I'll come in. So come into agreement with me, confess your wrong, listen to what I'm saying and I will fellowship, we'll have sweet fellowship. And isn't that beautiful, amen, that you could be so wrong and then confess your sin wholeheartedly and sincerely to the Lord and you can have restored fellowship right there and then. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for his blood. Thank God for his provision because we need it. But this is how we maintain our walk with the Lord, to please him. And so maybe there's issues that you need to address this morning. Maybe God's saying, you know what, as you examine yourself, as this is a new start to you, as you're pondering upon what what lies ahead for you, God says, hey, what about me? What about this area of your life? And I'm, I want to uh, uh, exhort us this morning to examine ourselves. I want to exhort us this morning to take heed because, you know what, you can't listen to a message like this and then just say, you know, when we hear a message like this, our inclination should be, oh, yes, I want to walk with God. But yet, you know what, there might be someone here that says, you know what, I'm going to walk away from God. And that's sad. I'm going to, in light of all of this, Sorry, Lord, I don't, I'm not going to walk that way. And you could walk out this door and you could walk in the complete opposite direction and away from God to your own detriment, to your own destruction, to your own will. See, but don't. Get back up. Get back on track. Get it right with God this morning. Start now to make the necessary changes that God would be dealing with you about. because God wants to bring you into sweet fellowship with the Lord. Hallelujah. And as we consider Enoch this morning, we see somebody that the Bible says, Enoch walked with God. Enoch pleased God and God took him. And he was gone. They couldn't find him. You know, the Bible says that God came, there were two people before the flood that walked with God. It was Enoch and Noah. And after the fall and before the flood. Obviously Adam did and Eve. But you see, <clears throat> in the garden the Bible says that God came to Adam in the cool of the day. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus would get up before the sun came up, amen, before, uh, and uh, in the morning and he would, he would fellowship with the Father. Morning and the psalmist would say morning and afternoon and evening. But you see, the cool of the day. In other words, uh, you know, our days are busy. We're busy people. I mean, we've got so much going on, you know, that, that we have to prioritise our, our walk with God. You're going to have to set things in order. You're going to have to make the time. You're going to have to initiate these things. And so that's what I want to encourage us towards this morning. To make sure that you're building your relationship with God, that you're drawing near to God, that you're close, getting closer to God. Because really that's what it's all about. That I may know him more. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you this morning for the word of God. Oh, Father, we just take this opportunity to consider these things, Lord, that you have spoken to us through your word. These things, Lord, that we see in the life and example of Enoch. Lord, we want these we want this and we know, Lord, you want it more than what we want it. 
because this is the whole motivation behind your creation. This is what, this is what you, you, was so pleasurable to you in the garden, in fellowship with Adam and Eve. This is what, Lord, you have worked so much towards restoring. This is why you sent your son to die upon a cross. Lord, this is what is ultimately coming when you come back to receive your bride. Lord, it's this intimacy. It's this sweet fellowship. that we And we are privileged as your people, God, to have this. Lord, let us not take it for granted. Let us not neglect it. Lord, let us cultivate. Let us nurture. Let us build upon. Let us, Lord, seek you diligently. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.